The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advice offered through Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Welcome to the Financial Focus Radio Show with your hosts, Tyler Simonis and Josh Finelli. Join us as we discuss markets, bring transparency to issues within the financial services industry, and bring honest, thoughtful analysis every week. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Financial Focus. Thank you for joining us uh, for this first weekend in November. My name is Tyler Simonis. That guy over there, he is Josh Finelli, and we appreciate you spending some of your weekend with us. As always, if you'd like to be part of our little program, give us a call, 877-670-7117, or you can always email us by going to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. So let's talk about the week that was in the capital markets. It was rainbows and butterflies on heroin last week. I mean, it was like, it couldn't have been any better last week. I feel really positive about myself. Now. <laughs> You're going to go vote and buy that Ferrari. Uh, I just, I, I noticed that Ferrari's market cap is 50% bigger than Ford's, which is so crazy to me, but time to whip out the Amex, babe. Yeah. So, uh, us stocks as measured by the good old S and P 500 were up a little over 6% last week. You heard that right. Uh, we got a big bounce last week. Um, and we'll talk about why that was. Small caps ripped last week. They were up a little bit over 8% last week. So the small cap market, which has been getting obliterated, uh, ripped higher in five trading days last week. Um, international developed markets were 6% higher. The emerging markets were 5.5% higher. Uh, and a lot of it had to do with the unbelievable move we saw in the interest rate complex in the bond market. Uh, the aggregate bond index, so think of it as the S&P 500 of the bond world, was up 1.8%. And so for a bond index to be up 1.8% in a week is really crazy. The long bond was up even more. And so we just saw a huge uh, rate move down. So interest rates went down sharply last week, which means prices of bonds go up. The yield on the six-month Treasury, 5.48. And really, we saw yields come down on the long end. Uh, One-year Treasury, 5.29% yield. Uh, the 10-year is where we saw the big move. Five, it went from a little over 5% to 4.56% in yield. Uh, and that that's why we saw huge price moves in um, in in bond market. And then the third year is 4.75. So the big move last week was the rate complex. Uh, really, rates just got obliterated. And, and you know, bond, as, as we had been saying, both the bond market and the stock market were oversold, and uh, they both came ripping back last week. Gold traded down about a half a percent at 2001 an ounce, and oil was down 1.8% at $80.80 a barrel. Uh, so really risk uh, on, well, it was, it was just an interesting week in the capital markets. You know, it was one of those, you really sort of couldn't believe it. You know, Josh is going to talk about earnings. We had a lot of big names report earnings last week, but we got a ton of market moving data um, last week. The first one being the Federal Reserve uh, had their interest rate decision where they left the Fed funds rate unchanged. Uh, at his press conference, Jerome Powell didn't seem to lean either dovish or hawkish. And so really they were joking that this meeting, when you looked at the notes of the meeting, they were essentially the same as last week. They might have moved a couple periods and a couple commas, but or, or the last meeting, this meeting was the same as the last meeting. So not a lot of change in the Fed's language uh, with what's going on. Um, really what the Fed is trying to do is they're waiting to see uh, their previous hikes take hold. And because, you know, it, it's not an immediate move. And until last week, until this week we just went through, the bond market was doing a lot of the heavy lifting for them. Um, but with rates backing up, I think the Fed, if rates stay here, the Fed will probably have to rethink uh, needing to raise rates because, you know, the Fed was pretty content to leave rates where they were and have rates at, at the long end of the curve start to go up and mortgage rates go up. Uh, and that was doing a lot of the heavy lifting, dampening the economy. But, um, you know, if we have <laughs> weeks like last week where rates back up a bunch and stocks go up a bunch, uh, creating the wealth effect, I think the Fed will probably have to rethink uh, having to raise they rates def- at their next meeting. They definitely want to be done. They just can't say that they're done. 
Right. Well, the the market obviously last week Perce- the market perceives them to perceive that that, that 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 was it and so but therein lies the conundrum that the fed has oh, totally. right when the market knows that they're done then they have all the inflationary forces come screaming back and so we again our- i i continue to say the only way out of a recession i mean the only way out of uh, this inflation problem is a recession and josh brought this up last week what's the book you're reading uh 14 14- Urgent lessons of infl- it's called uh, we need to talk about inflation 14 urgent lessons from the last 2,000 years So it's looking at inflation over 2,000 years And I guess the point is that to bring down hyperinflation is relatively easy because everybody's on the same side Yeah, policymakers in the central bank end up being on the same side because everyone agrees that it's a problem but mediocre or incremental inflation is the, moderate is, moderate is levels of inflation like we're seeing right now is really hard to, for because them to the deal political with. push and pull is just so extreme of you know that no no one wants to bear the political consequences of being in power when policymakers from the central bank have to do the right thing, which is put us into recession to actually stop it. And so there's just that push and pull, and inevitably it just drags on way longer because of that reason. But the Fed, you know, they're they're in this place where they're trying to, like, manufacture a 1990-91 recession, which was much shallower than, say, a 2000 through 2002. The reality is they don't get to decide how much contraction there is in the business cycle. Uh, but I think that they understand that what they're trying to do is say, okay, all of these rate hikes we've made and interest rates going up so much so quickly – Theoretically, that should put us in recession. Historically, that's put us in recession. If we keep going, does that make the recession ultimately worse? Because remember, going back in time when the Fed said, oh, inflation's transitory, we don't have to do anything, and obviously they missed the boat, and then they'd play catch-up. I think what they're trying to do is not repeat the mistake on the other side, this time where they make the recession worse. I just know that you know, if, they, if the market sniffs out or p- perceives that the Fed is done or going to pause, uh, it, it will make their job harder. So it's better, for, in my opinion, for them to just know that the economy is going to go into a recession, sort of clear it all out. Just like in July when you had, you know, buoyant asset prices sort of stimulate that big consumer spending that you saw in the wake of that run-up or in, in the aftermath of that run-up, probably going to get a, another version of that where inflation data in Q1 or over the holidays comes in relatively hot because everyone's feeling rich again. And that's and then there we are, uh, back to uncertainty <laughs> once we start and start 2024. We also got the October jobs report showing the U.S. economy added 150,000 jobs in the month of October which was less than expected. The unemployment rate also ticked up to 3.9%. But remember, 3.9%, you know, when you look at economics books, that's more than full employment. So the labor market continues to be a juggernaut. The baby boom generation continues to be a juggernaut in their spending. Um, And another data point that's interesting, CNBC and all these outlets are now looking at this data point that everybody used to overlook. Nobody cared about it. Um, But it's the government's funding requirements or borrowing estimates on a monthly basis. And and the reason for that is, you know, if there's going to be this huge demand from the government to borrow money, which there is because they have all these spending bills that are out there still, um, the, you know, what's the Inflation Reduction Act, all these things that are out there still that they haven't even spent the money yet, they have to borrow the money to do that. Um, And so if there's a a ton of supply on the bond market, um, that means historically rates are going to go higher because the Fed's not buying bonds anymore. They're selling bonds. And so that's the other thing that people are really paying close attention to is what the, what is the supply look like in the bond market? And is that going to push rates higher? And then lastly, you know, like I said, we got some big names. Apple reported earnings last week. So Josh, why don't you give us a quick update on earnings season? 80, 80% of the S&P 500 reported. Uh, earnings are up Almost 6% year on year, so, you know, better than expectations, but of course the bar got lowered. Revenues, uh, you know, on the soft side, only 1% revenue growth over over last year, but uh, for the most part, you know, they're um, significantly better than average beat rate. Uh, we talk about how management always manages expectations and manages to uh, jump over the lower uh, lower, hoop, uh, lower hoop, but, you know, the earnings season generally mixed. Uh, you know, you kind of look at the Apple thing as being sort of a story of they're growing earnings by buying back their own share count, but revenues are basically flat. And uh, that's, I think, maybe the story of a lot of stuff out there. 
they're not growing the top line so much, but consumers so far have been willing to pay the higher prices. Yeah, so earnings season hasn't really been sort of the bust, I think, that a lot of people thought it was going to be. It'll be interesting. Like we keep saying, this is a time, this is a duration thing, unfortunately, and, and everybody wants it to go faster, but it's just not going to. All right, if you want to be part of the show, give us a call, 877-670-7117, or email us by going to our website, financial, or sorry, northwestquadrantwealth.com. When we come back, we're going to talk about the what asset allocation is going to look like in the decade ahead, so stick around. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988. can bring you are here. FM News 100.1, 1110 KBND. Wow, buddy. This place is gorgeous. I love living here at Wild Horse Mesa. It was just built in 2021, so it's got all the latest amenities with high-end finishes, plus AC, my own washer dryer, pool access, fitness center, rec room, and a private patio. All this on your salary? Wild Horse Mesa is more affordable than you think. Call the office and see what's available. Google Wild Horse Mesa Prineville for more information. Professionally managed by Norris and Stevens. Minutes from Prineville. New, beautiful, affordable Wild Horse Mesa. Did you know that the average public university student borrows $32,880 for their bachelor's degree? Many borrowers list student debt as the main barrier to buying a home, starting a business, or even retiring from their jobs. Are student loans keeping you from other goals? Between different payment plans, types of cancellation, and tax implications, we know that student debt can be confusing. Don't let that confusion keep you from addressing your debt. Our website offers resources, including frequently asked questions, links to other sites, and tips for avoiding scams. The site is updated by the Student Loan Ombuds, who also receives and attempts to resolve complaints about servicers or other issues with student loans. Take control of your financial future by addressing your student debt today. Visit the Division of Financial Regulations Student Loan Help Site at dfr.oregon.gov or call the Student Loan Ombuds at 888-877-4894. This message brought to you by the Oregon Division of Financial Regulation, the Oregon Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Are you looking to enjoy going to church again? Check us out at Holy Communion, an independent Catholic church where all are truly welcome. Join us for Mass on Saturdays at 5 o'clock or Sundays at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. And enjoy going to church again at Holy Communion. Some days, my active psoriatic arthritis makes it hard to get in the game. Now, the ball is in my court. Thanks to treating my skin and joints with Sky Rizzi. Rizinkizumab Rizza, a prescription-only 150-milligram injection for adults. Nothing is Sky Rizzi helps with less joint pain, stiffness, swelling, and fatigue. For those who also have plaque psoriasis, 90% clearer skin is possible with just four doses a year after two starter doses. Don't use if allergic to Sky Rizzi. Serious allergic reactions and an increased risk of infections or a lower ability to fight them may occur. Before treatment, your doctor should check for infection and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms such as fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you plan to or recently received a vaccine. With Sky Rizzi, there's nothing like clearer skin and better movement, and that means everything. Ask your doctor today about Sky Rizzi and visit SkyRizzi.com or call 1-866-SKY-RIZZI to learn more. Connect to the Financial Focus Radio Show on YouTube or iTunes. Listen to past shows, get our bi-weekly e-news, and keep up to date on the market. You can also sign up for our e-newsletter on our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Financial Focus Radio. Thanks for joining us. If you would like to take one of us up on a free retirement review, 
One of us will give you an hour of our time to talk about anything in your financial life. So if you have at least $100,000 or $500,000 of investable assets, call our office to get that scheduled. The number here is 800-743-0988 or go to our website, northwestquadrantwalt.com and send us an email. Just let us know you'd like a free retirement review. Uh, so periodically I bring this up. Um, there's a good book uh, that exists out there. Uh, it's called How to Raise Your Child's Financial IQ. So if you're a grandparent or a parent and you have teenagers or maybe even a little bit younger than that, um, this is a good book. It's 64 pages long. Uh, it's written by a guy named John Lim. Again, the name of the book is How to Raise Your Child's Financial IQ, The Most Important Things. And it just goes through sort of some basic uh you know, financial planning, financial literacy concepts, uh, and can help a bunch. Cause we all know that they don't really teach financial literacy uh, or those concepts in schools around the country. Um, but it can have being financially literate can have a huge impact on the, your life. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Most Americans are relatively financially illiterate. Uh, and if they learn some of these basic concepts when they were teenagers and then apply them to their life, uh, their life would probably look a lot different. So I, you can just Google it. It's on Amazon. Uh, there used to be a PDF and I can't find it anymore. Maybe our show blew it up. It. I still have it. All right. Well, email Josh and he'll get it to you. So, uh, this was a surprise and I will say that, um, you know, this getting this information came as a result of meeting with one of our clients here in the office um, that uh, is in the agriculture business, has a big, um, big in the agriculture business and, and has a property that's worth a lot of money. And so we were talking about their estate tax pl- problem in the state of Oregon. And um, after this meeting, the client emailed me and uh, there's information that I didn't know. Uh, that Tina Kotek, Governor Tina, Tina Kotek, who surprised me that she signed this uh, into law, um, she changed. The, she provided. It's, it's called uh, Law SB 498, which provides Oregon uh, a new Oregon estate tax exemption for up to 15 million dollars uh, of natural resource property that is used in a decedent's farming, forestry, or fishing business. So. You know, the state of Oregon, the estate tax kicks in at a million bucks, you know, so like Josh and his wife each have a million dollars. But above that, it's 16 percent. And so 16 percent, you know, if you think about these ranches on eastern Oregon and farms and in the valley and all the different agriculture businesses in the state of Oregon, of which there are quite a few, and they're also worth a fortune. Um, you know, the estate tax was hammering these people. They, a lot of these people were having to sell these ranches or farms that had been in the family uh, for generations because they could, they didn't have the cash to pay the estate tax. And so, you know, I will give Tina Kotek credit. This The, the people that this is going to benefit most are not her constituents. She did not need to do this to get reelected. Uh, but the good news is it was the right thing to do. I mean, this is, you know, this is what makes Oregon great. And these families that have been ranching and farming in the state of Oregon for generations, uh, in my opinion, are what make the state so great and why I want to live here. Um, and so good on you. I mean, I, she's, she's definitely not Kate Brown, which is good. And she's surprised. She's surprising me so far. Um, but this is for, you know, for a lot of people, it's going to make a huge difference. Um, you know, there's still obviously, uh, ranches and and farms that are worth more than that but at least this changes the 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 financial story quite a bit it's a principled move just because if she's truly worried about you know i mean so much you often hear that concern about inequality emanating from the left and uh those family you know family homesteaded farms that have been in same family for generations the only potential buyer or prospective buyer is some version of a hedge funder or whatever with really significant assets because no one else can afford it yeah, and they weren't going to obviously the, the whole dynamic of the rant. You know, if you go to Eastern Oregon, you can see the dynamic has changed, but uh, maybe this will slow the change uh, quite a bit. It's not, not to say that these things still won't go up for sale because maybe the next generation doesn't want to keep them. But if they do, the exemption is much, much higher. So good on you, Tina Kotek. I don't know why. I, if I were her, I would have made this much bigger of a deal, especially on this side of the mountain. But um Whatever, it was the right thing to do, so good on her. All right, so I mentioned the tease for this segment. We talk about how asset allocation is probably going to change in the decade ahead. Uh, So first, you know, the last decade or the last 15 years, what worked since the global financial crisis was to own U.S. large cap growth stocks. Like you didn't – that was what worked. I mean nothing else mattered. And uh, so what advisors were doing and people were doing is they were allocating to U.S. large cap growth – 
uh, and they were allocating to intermediate and long-term bonds because rates were coming down, and so bond prices were going up. And the further out the yield curve you were, meaning the further in duration your bonds matured, the more juice you got on those bonds. And then, obviously, with the rates going down, uh, companies that were going to earn profits in the future, a la growth stocks, uh, were doing fabulously well. And so, you know, from 2009, at the bottom, March 9th, 2009, when the market hit the bottom of the global financial crisis, up until 2021, owning those U.S. large-cap growth stocks and long- and intermediate-term bonds, it was a no-brainer. It was a winning proposition. And so uh, it was, you could just blindly do it, and it worked. And it worked for 15 years, and that, you know, that's a long, long time, obviously. Uh, but Josh and I feel wholeheartedly like that is going to change. And it's going to go back to what it used to be. I mean, most of my life, um, you know, you had to be a, a much better capital allocator. And the bond market, uh, you could finally get yields. And so, you know, I think for a lot of people that are listening to the show right now, you're going to be, a, be able to allocate a lot more of your money to fixed income or bonds because you will be able to get equity-like returns, stock-like returns with a fraction of the volatility. The difference is... Is over the, since 1982, you could own a bond fund or a bond ETF, and it didn't matter because with rates going down, the prices of that bond fund was going up. The difference now is because of the interest rate volatility, and we feel like rates are going to continue to move higher over time. You're going to need to buy individual bonds. Like there, there's no getting around. Uh, you know, if, if you're buying an ETF or a bond fund, that you're still going to have price weakness and, 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 and price sensitivity, and it's just not going to be what you need. But if you're buying an individual bond, remember, a bond is a, is a contractual return with that issuer. And so if you buy a bond from a high-quality co- company or the U.S. Treasury or municipality, there's a contract between you and that issuer for a contractual return. Obviously, there's no contractual return in the stock market, but there is a contractual return in the bond market. And so as long as you're buying good enough credit quality and they're not defaulting and you hold that bond to maturity, you're going to get your interest payments plus your principal back. So we feel like you know, the, the tide has shifted. Rates are going to continue to move higher. But one of the places where people can earn close to stock-like returns is going to be in the bond market in the future. It just means you're going to have to do it differently than you did in the past. And then on the stock side of your portfolio, um, you're going to need to own companies that have lots of free cash flow, you know, boring businesses that generate lots of free cash flow now. Uh, and then diversification is going to matter too, up and down the market cap spectrum. So we we don't feel like it's all just going to be U.S. large cap growth. You're still going to, you know, in the future need to own value stocks and you're going to need to own small cap and mid cap uh, and probably international development. 2023, market as well. or at least the you know majority of 2023 so far has been, I think, like a version of sort of a false all clear signal. And that a lot of the really junky names have been the best performers year to date and uh, really sort of into the weakness of last week before we got the rip your face off rally this week uh, to the upside. You're starting to see a reassertion of a lot of the trends of 2022 where investors sort of recognize, well, wait, interest rates are actually going to be higher for longer. And that reflexive uh, 0% interest rate memory uh, is, I think, gradually being chipped away at. All right, when we come back, we're going to tackle some phone calls and emails, so be sure to stick around. Sign up for our e-news today. Get the latest thoughts on the market every other week from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management delivered right to your inbox. The short five- to six-minute video helps you keep up with the market. You can always watch past videos on YouTube or on northwestquadrantwealth.com. morning walk to get you going. With the afternoon I got ahead of me, I really need it. What are you doing in the afternoon? I gotta figure out my m- Did you say m- 
Mm-hmm. There's that word again, Medicare. It can make even a morning walk uncomfortable, but it doesn't have to, especially when you have Pacific Source Medicare to guide you. Pacific Source Medicare offers plan options with $0 premiums, $0 prescriptions, no referrals required to see a specialist, dental benefits, and more. Pacific Source Medicare also gives you service from a local person, not an automated phone tree. Find your Pacific Source Medicare plan today. Visit medicarebeyond.org. Pacific Source Community Health Plans is an HMO, HMO DSNP, and PPO plan with a Medicare contract and a contract with Oregon Health Plan, Medicaid. Enrollment in Pacific Source Medicare depends on contract renewal. Pacific Source Medicare, going beyond what's required to put members first. Visit medicarebeyond.org or call 877-452-8878. The 12th Annual Jazz at the Oxford Concert Series continues. Join us for inspirational jazz music at the Oxford Hotel in downtown Bend with an impressive lineup of shows through March. The Lao Tizer Band will perform November 10th and 11th and host a free music education workshop Saturday the 11th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Oxford Hotel in Bend. Join the updated larger band featuring Karen Briggs, Elliot Yaman, Anthony Crawford, and Shane Gallas. and to purchase your tickets, go to jazzattheoxford.com today. That's jazzattheoxford.com for Jazz at the Oxford in downtown Bend. The Loudtizer Band, November 10th and 11th at Jazz at the Oxford. Presented by Subaru of Bend and produced by Patrick Lamb Productions. Workshops brought to you by George Bowie of Studio 20. Okay, class. So, endorphins are a type of neurotransmitter in the body that inhibits transmission of pain signals while also enhancing our immune system and producing a sense of euphoria. Now, can anyone tell me where endorphins are produced? Yes, Bridget. My mom says that endorphins are produced at the ACB. The ACB? You know, the Athletic Club of Bend. All our friends go there, and Mom says that with all the stuff they have to do there, like swimming, tennis, exercise classes, basketball, yoga, cross-fusion, concerts, and even massages, well, it really makes her feel good. Yes, I can see how that would... Plus, I think she really likes all the kids' programs and camps. Well, I guess Mother really does know best. The Athletic Club of Bend. For fitness, for fun, for friends, for family. To get your endorphins flowing, just go to athleticclubofbend.com. Start your holiday savings at Coastal during the Beat the Rush sale, now through November 14th. Coastal Farm and Ranch, we're just what the country needs. Save big on Ariad, Wrangler, Neutrina feeds, and more. Save up to $300 off a Kodiak 35-gun safe and $360 off a Quadrifier pellet stove. Plus, buy a pellet of 50 bags of heating pellets and save over $50. BTC flannels are 40% off and Kinko Work Gloves buy two, get one free. Save $3 off new low dog food and Neutrina Safe Choice Equine Feed is $5 off. Save big on log splitters, Husqvarna chainsaws, and DeWalt tools. Save $100 off DZ truck boxes and 15% off Durastart vehicle battery. Don't miss out on extra savings during Sizzling Saturday with Pet Toys, buy one, get one, 50% off. Death priced at $7.99, 40% off all men's and women's victory apparel and more. Coastal Farm and Ranch, we're just what the country needs. Shop now at your local Coastal store or at CoastalCountry.com. You're listening to Financial Focus Radio Show, where you get honest and actionable advice every week from the partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management. Remember, you can always listen to past shows on iTunes or find us on northwestquadrantwealth.com. If you'd like to sign up for our e-newsletter, Josh and I do a video in the middle and end of every month where we talk about what's going on in the capital markets and how that affects our clients' money, but you don't have to be a client to be added to the e-newsletter list. We did one just last week. Uh, so go to our website if you want to get added to the e-newsletter list, um, northwestquadrantwealth.com. There's a box you can put your info in there, and that's the only thing that we will send you. Uh, so, you know, we talk about Buffett a lot. Buffett obviously has some good Buffettisms, kind of like Yogi Berra, Yogi Berra-isms. Uh, Buffett emphasized the human element in investing. As he stated in his interview, some people should not own stocks at all 
because they get too upset when the price fluctuates. If you're going to do dumb things because your stocks go down, you shouldn't own stocks at all. He said, if you're not, if you're not willing to own stocks for 10 years, you shouldn't own them for 10 minutes. And I wholeheartedly agree with that because you know what you're doing is you're buying a share, a piece of a business. Uh, and you know, just like Northwest Quadrant, or if you're a small business owner, you don't sell that business based on arbitrary price fluctuations about what people think it's worth at any given moment, you think, I know that this business is going to earn more money over time, and that's what you're paying for. And so, uh, you know, you're paying some discount out for out in the future. And so, um, you know, that's most people fail to recognize what the stock market is. They think of it as like this living, breathing market, and it's just a collection of businesses. Um, I don't know if I don't know if having indexes was such a great idea, right? Because it's like then it gave it gave a barometer of how the the market was doing. Like the market is some living, breathing thing. Because most Americans, that's how they think of it. It just totally divorces people from what they actually own. And that's the that's the dilemma, right? Is there's no there's no tangibility to Schwab large cap ETF, right? And even you know even if you look within it, it's like they still have this like detachment from like you know if you say to somebody you know if you could own Costco as your you know the East Side Costco here in Bend is obviously mints money, and if you could own that as your retirement, would you do that? And people say, of course. Well, guess what? You can you can buy shares in Costco. But well, I mean, it's you know when you ask people you know well why would I ever own a stock when I could get 5% interest now? And that's this conversation that I occasionally find myself having. And it's like when you frame it in the terms of like, well, do you think owning maybe Microsoft and Google over the next three or five years will likely outperform that 5% interest bearing account? And they're like, well, of course it will. And that, you know, that that's the logical follow through. But most people, there's that dissonance now when it relates to looking at that exchange traded fund and it just doesn't mean anything to them on the page all right let's tackle some phone calls and emails we got a phone call at uh 877-670-7117 yeah another question uh when i go to treasury direct and look at my four week treasury bill situation it says my interest rate is 5.39 and my yield is 5.29 those are approximate numbers off the top of my head. Uh, what's the, why are, is there a discrepancy in those numbers? And which one uh, is going to put more money in my piggy bank? Love the show. We'll be listening. Thank you. Yeah, that's a good question. So most people um, think of bonds like CDs, and, and they're similar, but they're definitely not the same. I mean, so the bond market, treasuries, corporates, munis, all of those bonds, they trade all day long in the market, just like the a stock market does. And so when interest rates are moving in the rate complex, the prices of those bonds are moving to reflect where rates are at that point. So like that bond that you own, sir, is being traded all day long, every day. People are buying it and selling it. Uh, you know, and, and and so it's the price of the bond is moving, thereby changing the interest rate. And so, in your case, uh, the price of that bond went up, or, or, or so it's saying if you were to sell it, this is the rate that you would that the person buying it would get. So the price of the bond, so you bought it at some. You, it sounds like you bought it from the Treasury Direct. So you bought it at some yield of let's say call, call it what you said five point three nine. That's the yield that you're going to get if you hold it for that four week uh, period, and it's an annualized number. You're not going to get five point three nine. You're going to get the version, the four week breakdown of, of what that would be annualized. Um, but then after you bought it, the bond was still trading in the market. Like people like us were buying it, pensions were buying it, other retail investors were buying and selling it, and and buying and selling bonds in general and that made rates move and that bond has to ref- the price of that bond has to ref- you know trade based on where interest rates are and that yield that you're seeing is is where the yield is at that bond at that time so uh, most people don't know and that's why it's important to understand if you're going to buy individual bonds um, that in a lot of cases you're going to need to hold them to maturity because let's say uh, you buy a one or a two year bond uh, and the interest rate environment changes dramatically and the price of your bond falls, uh, 
you don't care if you're going to hold it to maturity, but if you need to liquidate that bond uh, and the price of the bond has fallen because interest rates have moved dramatically and you have to liquidate that bond, then you're going to have to take that lower price, thereby wiping out your returns. And so in that, in a lot of cases, people are like, oh, bonds are really safe. And that's true if you hold them to maturity, but they can be just as volatile as stocks if you buy an intermediate term bond and don't hold to maturity. You can wipe out all of the returns that the bond would have given you if the rate environment goes against you. And so that's really important to understand. Um, and that's why we would always urge people, if they're buying, if they're trading in the bond market, if they're investing in the bond market uh, and they're buying individual bonds, which I think is going to be something people can do in the future, they need help. Like this is where a firm like ours can add value because um, doing it yourself and not, not fully understanding the dynamics can, you, you know, you can figure it out, but you might it might be a very expensive uh, lesson in, in that. But that's a good question. Most people don't, you know, they think that it's like a CD where a CD isn't going to move, right? So you buy a CD, there's a coupon attached to it, and you hold it to maturity, it pays you that over time. Um, th that's not how the bond market works. As soon as you buy that bond, it's still moving all over the place. And you, whether you buy it at issue, like when the Treasury issues it, or you're buying it in the secondary market, those bonds are always moving, uh, just like stocks are based on what interest rates you're doing. But that's a good question. All right, we got an email from Beth here in Bend. Beth says, um, my in-laws passed away earlier this year within months of each other. Their primary assets, part of their living trust is, is their home worth close to a million bucks. There is a reverse mortgage of about $330 that will be paid off once the house sells. Will capital gains tax apply to the four beneficiaries or we get to take advantage of a step-up in cost basis? The house is in escrow right now. Um, I don't think the house has gone up since the since the last death. Um, so, so Beth, I mean, you're implying that there's going to be a step up. So the good news is, obviously, you know, the house will be sold for a million bucks. They'll take out the 330 um, to pay off the reverse mortgage, and then the beneficiaries will be uh, left uh, with whatever's left, and they do get a step up. So if the house hasn't appreciated much since they since they died, let's say it was a million bucks since they died and the house hasn't appreciated since then, um, then there's a step up in basis and the beneficiaries are going to get, you know, their quarter share without any tax liability attached to that money. Now, you know, I, if there's more money in the estate uh, that, you know, and there's a trust, you know, the, the, the trust is going to have to be settled. The final tax return is going to have to be done. And so it's not going to be like, boom, the house sells and you're going to get the money. Um, generally, whoever's the executor of the state is going to have to settle the estate, deal with the final tax return. If there were more assets, there could potentially be, um, if they lived in the state of Oregon, there could potentially be state tax owed. So um, hopefully, <laughs> like most beneficiaries, you're not eagerly awaiting getting that money. Uh, Don F. in Redmond, I'm in a second marriage that lasted 10 years. Is my wife fully entitled to my Social Security after I die? My first wife and I were married for 19 years. Is my ex entitled to any of it? Uh, well, Don, the funny thing about Social Security is they're both entitled. Uh, so you could have five ex-wives, Don, and they're all going to be entitled to that. That was I'm not really sure why Social Security uh, did it that way. but she, yeah. waited, she waited you out, Don. If the spouse is divorced, the marriage uh, must last 10 years. Each survivor can be uh, benefit can be 100% of your benefits. So Social Security, you could have, five, like Josh could have five ex-wives and all five of them could be claiming his Social Security. Um, and, you know, Josh is Italian, so you never know. <laughs> if you'd like to take one of us up on a free retirement review, uh, and have at least $500,000 of investable assets, call our office to get that scheduled. The number here is 800-743-0988 or send us an email by going to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. When we come back, we're going to talk about, is it okay to take, to take some duration in the bond market? So stick around. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988. Check out Guitar John. 
he knows all the chords. Mighty strictly rhythm, he doesn't wanna make that cry all soon. KBND, Deschutes, Crook, and Jefferson News every morning. Only on FM News 100 and 1110 KBND. Are you looking to enjoy going to church again? Check us out at Holy Communion, an independent Catholic church where all are truly welcome. Join us for Mass on Saturdays at 5 o'clock or Sundays at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. And enjoy going to church again at Holy Communion. Did you realize that each day your average customer spends 10 minutes using Google and 6 hours on the rest of the Internet? Hmm, that means the Internet beats Google 18 to 1. Wow, Combined Communications Digital Advertising gives you affordable access to every potential customer on all their devices every day. Mobile, computer, and smart TV. When you see what we can do, we believe you will be amazed. Combined Communications Digital Advertising. Say hello on our contact page at bendradio.com. That's bendradio.com. High Desert Chamber Music invites you to the next event in our 16th season in Central Oregon. The Kaplan Duo, Friday, December 15th, brought to you by German Master Tech. The Kaplan Duo, made up of one of the leading violinists of his generation, Mark Kaplan, and Yamaha artist David Kaplan, this father-son duo has concertized and performed in numerous chamber music series throughout the country. The Kaplan Duo Concert is brought to you by Three Graces and Company and takes place Friday, December 15th at 7.30 p.m. at the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of Central Oregon. Visit HighDesertChamberMusic.com for details and ticket information. Title sponsors include German Master Tech, Miller Lumber, Hayden Homes, Pine Tavern, True Family Dentistry, Three Graces and Company, Cascade A&E, Central Oregon Daily, and Combined Communications. High Desert Chamber Music. Come hear the music. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Billy, your gas light's on. We need to stop and fill up. No way, Jen. Gas around here is too expensive. We can make it a little further. Billy, listen to your big sister. You don't need to drive all over searching for the lowest gas prices. Do what I do and use Upside. Upside? Do you live under a rock, Billy? Upside is the hottest cashback app out there. It's free to download and you get real cashback for every gallon of gas you buy. I use it all the time and I've already made around 200 bucks. You can make that kind of cashback just for buying the gas you have to buy anyway. Yes, I'm looking at the Upside app now and there's a gas station at the next exit offering 25 cents per gallon cash back okay i'm stopping to download upside and fill up my tank download the free upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas use promo code bling to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank you can cash out anytime right to your bank to paypal or a gift card for amazon and other brands just download the free upside app and use promo code bling for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank that's code bling for a 25 cents per gallon bonus Thank you for joining Financial Focus Radio Show. Honest, transparent analysis brought to you every week by Tyler Simonis and Josh Finelli. Call the show anytime at 877-670-7117. We'll try to answer your question on the air in the following weeks. Now, back to the team from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. My name is Tyler Simonis. That guy over there, he is Josh Finelli. And we're partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management here in the great Pacific Northwest. We appreciate you spending some of your weekend with us. So uh, one of the giants in the investment business um, died recently on October 25th, Byron Wien, uh, in his 90s. Um, he, he, he worked up until he died, um, a week before he died. He was still working. Uh, but he was known for a lot of, I mean, a lot of things, but he, he, every year, I think he was best known for coming up with like 10 big surprises yeah. for the year ahead. That was his, his big thing. But, uh, Josh printed off this cool thing, Byron Wayne's 20 life lessons. Uh, and he was giving a speech and, and, you know, it's at the speech, they said, you know, instead of maybe telling us what you think the dollar is going to do next year or whatever, why don't you tell, give us some life lessons? And, uh, you know, so, so I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'll, I'll go through some of them each segment. 
uh, one of them is that he said, network intensely. Luck plays a big role in life, and there's no better way to increase your luck by, than by knowing as many people as possible. Nurture your network by sending articles, books, and emails to people to show them you're thinking about them, right? Op-eds and thought pieces for major publications, organize discussion groups to bring thoughtful friends together. I like the one about, you know, sending sending articles and stuff to, to be, I, I used to do that. And I, of course, like anything that works, I stopped doing it. Um, but it's a good one. Just, you know, people love to, you know, you get something in the mail. I used to get stuff in the mail from my grandparents or uncle, aunts and uncles, newspaper articles. And it, it always was like a cool thing and, you know, made them endeared me to them. And so, you know, just not, not everybody's a people person, but there are ways that you can reach out to people in, in your own sort of way and let them know you're thinking about them. That's easy one. That's an easy one just because, you know, the, the, those articles usually stimulate you to think about those people. And right. it's that next step of actually going and forwarding it on to them that really matters. So uh, we know that the market was in correction territory. So I, I was out obviously last week in jolly old London and, and Josh was doing the show and it was a rough week. I, I, I always make sure that the market's going to sell off sharply when I leave the office just so Josh can deal with all the clients. Um, but I, so, you know, obviously last week markets ripped higher, but before that, uh, so the previous week, uh, the S&P 500 was down uh, over 10% from its ju late July high, uh, which was the biggest correction so far we had seen in 2023. It was an actual correction, not a bear market, but an official correction. That's 10% or more. Um, and and so, you know, we I, I looked at the data and most people think a 10% correction in the stock market is not normal, and when in fact it is. Uh, a 10% intra-year drawdown happens every 1.6 years on average. So um, these are the S&P 500 intra-year declines. A 1% decline happens 100% of the time. It's happened every single year since the S&P existed. A 5% decline happened 94, happens 94% of the time. Um, a 10% correction happens 63% uh, of the time. Check this out. A 30% correction happens 11% of the time, and that's statistically why uh, we're not. Um, and since 1928, the average year has seen a 16% intra-year decline. So that's the average year going back to 1928. Sees a 16% decline. And guess what? That is the price you pay for owning stocks. We've had a couple of nice spills this year, the March banking crisis, and then, of course, the uh, brutal September and October. But uh, it's definitely been this this kind of year that really uh, – it spurs a lot of phone calls, that's for sure. We're doing a lot of water treading, and it's making us really tired, but we're not going anywhere. It's a we, real bummer. It feels like we're running really fast on a treadmill. We talk about it every week, but we can sense that you know growing tide of malaise as markets continue to be range-bound, and you get these rallies that keep people interested, and then... You know, we sell off again on... Well, and, you know, the, the reason for that malaise is we're 23 months from the market hitting when it... Last time it hit an all-time high. And so the market essentially hasn't gone anywhere for two years. And people start to get really restless, especially when you start to think about, wait, I can get 5% risk-free? Hmm. Um, but, you know, right when you think that that's a good idea is uh, when this, you get this face-ripping rally in the stock market. Okay. So one of the things that we talked earlier in the show was about the bond market. Um, and so, it, you know, the question out there is, is it okay to start to take duration? Because there's, there's, a, there's something going on right now in the bond market, and that is the short end of the yield curve. So bonds mature, relative, you know, really short, under a year, that's where the yields are the best, 5.4, you know, north, north of that percent yield. Um, and so people feel really good about buying those. But, you know, if we do have a recession, that's the most likely thing that's going to bring interest rates down. And so right when we go in, let's say you buy a, a four-month treasury uh, and, you know, at 5.4%, we go into a recession in 2024, that bond matures in four months and interest rates, that same bond that paid you 5.4% pays you 3.4%. So you say to yourself, well, what do I do now? Do I buy that? Do I buy stocks? You know, what, what do I do? I'm stuck here because that yield was great, but this one isn't so great. And so the question is, is do you give up a little yield 
you know, get closer to something like 5% and take some duration risk, meaning buy something that maybe matures in two years or one and a half years. And so th- this is the question that a lot of people are struggling with. You know, and then there's a lot of people out there that are saying, why do I take even more duration risk? Do I take seven-year duration, eight, nine, ten-year duration, uh, knowing that maybe those yields will look attractive relative to everything else? And so, the, you know, we don't know for sure what the answer is, but we do know that you can probably – build a ladder to create some more duration in your portfolio. Now, the one thing that people, you know, what we're seeing in the bond market is more money is going into the long bond. So TLT uh, is the BlackRock, uh, essentially 20 year plus treasury. So it owns treasuries that are 20 years in duration and longer. Um, that mo- that thing has seen $21 billion in inflows so far this year. Money is pouring into this thing. What Josh and I know wholeheartedly is that is where you should not be taking duration is in an ETF. Because- I mean, it, it had a great price return this week too. You know, that was a four and a half percent upside week uh, based on that big move. But that's a trade, right? Yeah, that's that, a, that that's- is a trade. And I think it makes the case for us in that you, if that's the upside in the matter of two, a two-day swing, you know, some version of economic reacceleration or, you know, a treasury refunding report that uh, really kind of goes where the puck is going, meaning as more debt issuance starts in Q1 of 2024, you get a reversal of that trade in a week. And that's supposed to be an asset that is a risk reducer within the context of your broader portfolio. And it's definitely not doing that if there's a 4 or 5% price swing in two days. Yeah, so we're Josh and I are wholeheartedly okay with you taking some duration risk in your portfolio. But the only way that you can do it right now is by buying an individual bond or individual bonds to get some diversification. You cannot take duration risk with an ETF or a mutual fund right now because if rates keep going higher over time, you're just going to continue. Continue to see price deterioration in that ETF or mutual fund. You might get a reprieve like we saw this week. You might get a reprieve into year end. But longer term, if you believe what we believe, that rates are going to go higher because the government's going to keep borrowing money, uh, you do not want to have money in a pooled investment like a mutual fund or an ETF because those things have to reflect the prices of the bonds in that portfolio, and they're going to be going down. So it's okay to take some duration risk. Just make sure you're buying individual bonds. If your financial advisor doesn't know how to do that, or can't do that, time to get a new financial advisor. All right, if you'd like to be part of the show, give us a call, 877-670-7117, or email us by going to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. When we come back, we're going to talk about tax loss harvesting. There's a lot of things you need to be thinking about at the end of the year, um, but for a lot of you, tax loss harvesting can, can save you a bunch of money in taxes, so you need to be doing it or having your advisor think about it. So stick around. Sign up for our e-news today. Get the latest thoughts on the market every other week from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management delivered right to your inbox. The short five to six minute video helps you keep up with the market. You can always watch past videos on northwestquadrantwealth.com. sound. 